It's 12 and up, season 11, episode 5, with your host, Jonathan Malone. Up is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is a pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. This podcast is brought to you by PACA, the people against cultural appropriation. Be your own people. Make your own acronyms. Make your own oddities. Stop stealing from others. Learn more at PACA. And we're back. I I wish I had more information about how and who PACA is. This is the first I've ever heard about, about them when I got this um, it's a byline here to read about the people against cultural appropriation. It seems like an interesting group. It seems like an angry group. Um, so I had to I had to dig it out under all my culturally appropriated um, artifacts and ideas. Um, I was going to make jokes about it, but I realized that that I would really be walking on thin ice. Is that culturally insensitive to say that phrase, walking on thin ice? I'm not sure. Um, that's one of the reasons why I do this show with other people, because other people kind of keep me honest. Um, and if I'm about to say something, they'll shake their head and say, no, no, don't say it. And then I can always go back and edit it, too. After, if I do say something, they're like, wow, you really said them like, oh, no. Um, but when I do these intros, no one here, no one's here to, no one here, no one here to talk to Jonathan. Anyway, um, you may notice that at the intro, I didn't say the other guests because I introduced them in the different segments. I will tell you that you are going to hear Phineas Marr do a brilliant rileage as he usually, always, usually, and probably I would say 85 to 88% of the time he does a brilliant rileage, maybe more. And Adam Erickson is doing the scripture with me. Uh, both are great, great people. I enjoy recording with them. I, don't, I did not get to do a What You Into this week. Um, I just didn't have a chance. If I have a little bit of time, maybe I'll sneak one in at the end. It'll be a kind of bonus for you, a, a treat. Uh, but if I don't, okay, you'll be all right. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Finn Marr doing his rileage, Adam Erickson with Scripture. And let's start off with the Rylage with Phineas Marr. Rylage. I'm talking about Rylage. All right. All right, here we go. 12 enough. Take 87. Phineas Marr is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's an uh, adjunct professor at Carthage College. We have been, this has been one of our sloppiest starts but he is on edge now. So, Finn, it's good to have you back. Go. Thanks. Um, it's worth saying that on Take 86, you mentioned the fact that some of my comments have been the most thought-provoking. I just thought I'd get that in. Oh, yeah. I should say, yes. Your comments. Have, I've gotten rave reviews from your comments. Yeah, I, just want you, I just wanted to make sure you said that again so that the audience knows that. Yeah, I've gotten – yes. Yeah, it's, Finn, you're a very intelligent person, and people Thanks. really admire and respect what you have to say. Thanks. I feel affirmed. Good. Feel affirmed. All right. So here's the thing. 80% of that was true. Go ahead. 80% ain't bad. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah, take I'll it. Take Run it. with it. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's the thing. So a couple of weeks ago, I was reading this article mm -hmm. about uh, waiters and waitressing and what they have to do, the kind of nonsense they have to put up for the tips. Oh, it's insane. Right. And they say, you know... It's, it's, you know, if we expect to be paid, um, we need to put up with inappropriate behavior. Mm. We don't get to say to a customer, you know, that's really inappropriate, even when it is really inappropriate. Right. This gets back to this culture of niceness in this country, which says the customer is always right, even though that's not true. You talk mm. to anybody who works in retail. I talked to one of my students mm -hmm. who works at Chick-fil-A, which is like, goes out of the way to be positive Christian niceness. Right. And, and, and make great, great chicken sandwiches. Yeah. Best chicken sandwich in the world. Um, and they're not paying me to say that. But anyway, uh, 
you know, and and she said to me, she says, no, there are some times when we do not, you know, when we tell certain customers, no, you can't come back here. Wow. I said, there is a limit. She says, yes. I'm like, okay, good. And I started worry about this. So I started thinking now, one of the waitresses actually said that she goes and she starts waiting on this one guy who's like, hey, can I get your phone number? And of course, she just laughs that off. Right. She doesn't say no, and that's really inappropriate. She just smiles and giggles. Right, right. Well, she serves to meal when she comes back, you know, to clean up and give him the check. He's waving her tip in front of her face saying, hey, how about that phone number? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it got to me thinking that people treat churches like religious restaurants. Hmm. Go when they keep going. Up, when they show up, they want you, the pastor, to be the host. Yep. The leadership to be the waitresses, and they expect to be pleased in every way. Yeah. Heaven forbid we make them uncomfortable. Right. Um, now, the reason why you, me, and other pastors all over the country are driving themselves crazy is because we can't make every single person in our church happy the way they want to be made. It's just not possible. Someone said something like that. You can please all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but not all the – oh, that's fool. Oh, never mind. But it applies. It does. Yes. You can please some of the people all the time. All the people some of the time. Yeah, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can't please all the people all the time. Right. Not even at a barbecue. Because there's going to be one vegan who shows up and complains. Those vegans. Oh, the vegans. You want me to get riled. Let's go on the vegan. All right, never mind. The last thing That's I need to your read. segment. So, yeah. so I don't know if said... vegans throwing tofu at me. Go ahead. Wow. Yeah, it's happened. Was it firm <laughs> or soft? The tofu, I mean. Oh, not the vegan. <laughs> the vegan. <laughs> vegans are usually soft. Um, the tofu was soft. <laughs> What's the last? <laughs> My internal voice just said, "Just stop. Just stop." <laughs> We, we, we love vegans, kind of. Go ahead. What were you oh, saying? 12 Enough loves vegans. And I went out. So so I was saying, so, you know, we've created this culture in our churches. Yeah. But we feel guilty as pastors when somebody gets upset, even when their behavior is inappropriate. Yeah. All right. Now, you, Baptist historian that you are, Revere, yep. vice yep. president of the American Baptist Historical Society, know that early Baptists practice church discipline oh yeah it was a great it was a great because they realized that if the church is truly to be gathered Mm -hmm. everybody has to be on the same page everybody has to actually do the covenant not just mouth it Mm -hmm. and then if they do not you're out until you you know decide probation right you're you're out until you decide that you're going to act at a certain level that is good for the whole right that is good for the whole. So actually, two weeks ago in a sermon, I said people treat churches like religious restaurants. Hmm. We are not that. At some point in time, we all have to realize that the good of the whole is just as important as what I want. Right. And and usually when someone is acting in a way that's for the good of the whole, it's good for that person too. Yes. Usually. Yes. Yeah. Unless we're you know, a cult or teaching something, oh, no, teaching no. hate. But because our consumeristic society makes us focus so much on what we want and not what we need. That is what is good for us mm-hmm. that we don't realize this. It is a good thing to learn to act for the good of all people. It is not a good thing. As Jesus said in 10,000 ways, 10,000 times, yep. it is not good to live a life of unbridled selfishness. That was in the gospel of Jesus, chapter 10,000, verse 10,000. I knew you would know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, unbridled selfishness is right. So, and and even it, it, it's oftentimes the person who's like the stalwart member of the church. Yes. Who everyone else is like, well, that's just them doing their thing. We know it's not. They don't mean we, you know when they're like bad mouthing someone else in the congregation. All right, like, all right. Okay, go ahead, go, go. Yeah, bad mouthing someone else in the congregation or saying, well, we've got to do the. Um, the the potluck dinner this way or I'm out or I won't take part at all and I won't give any more because we're not doing the dinner in exactly the oh way I want to do it. Oh my gosh. Even more riled. Even more riled. <laughs> I found it. And yeah. I just wish I could say just once when people say, well, you know how so-and-so win, you just have to accept them. I just want to say, no, I don't. 
Well, we I do not right. have to accept the that behavior. behavior. That's it, right. And that's an important distinction. That we accept the person but not the behavior. I hate to say this, you know, as as, as dangerous as the love the sinner, hate the sin rhetoric is when it's around homosexuality, because that it, that muddles you know what you know what's going on there. In general, though, we still love the individual, but we, we do not love what they're doing, and we need to call them to account. And if that means you've got to take a break from this community because we love you enough to hold you to accountability, and we love our community enough to say there are boundaries, then that's what we need. We need to do exactly boundaries. I, it's it's just you know I've just known people they reach this point in their life, middle age crisis, mm-hmm. where they somehow seem to think. Well, I've I've lived my life doing blah 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 for everybody else, and now I'm going to do what I want. And and they add a very dangerous sentence, and everyone is just going to have to deal with it. And I tell us people, no, we don't. You can do as you wish, right? But we do not have to deal with it. If I choose to stay away from you because what you are doing is offensive, I'm going to. And if that bugs you, then maybe you have to rethink what you just said. Now you want to hear? People do not have to just deal with you. Nobody does. So here's a crazy thought, though. <laughs> but no, but listen to this. When when church folks do that, it's dangerous, right? We say, "Are you are you kidding? Are you crazy? No, you can't do that." But if a pastor does it, it's healthy. And and I think it's true. So if a pastor says, "You know what?" Oh, I'm gonna... an example of this. This is a whole other thing now. Right. Well, so but because the pastors tend to be the ones who are always saying, "Like, well, let's just try to make them happy." You know, or I'll sacrifice oh, right. or. I mean, right. one of the churches I served, every time they had a budget crisis, the pastor said, well, you don't have to give me a raise this year or, you know, oh. I'll, take a, I'll take a pay cut this year oh. and it'll be okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. And that tends to be – now, there are megalomaniac pastors out there. There certainly are. Are um, you trying to say something to me, Jonathan? I, you, Do you need to tell me something well, in all honesty? It does say on your mug, I am awesome and I know it. And it does not say that. It says Carthage College, you oh, liar. I, I, on the other side. The mug is so big. It's got a lot of sayings on there. Um, it has all the 10,000 <laughs> 10, sayings of Jesus. I'm right a megalomaniac and a compulsive liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, At least I really am as great as I think I am. So that, there. That, yes, that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think by and large, the, t- the tendency of pastors have been to be the more passive um, yes. Let everyone else run all over me. I'm going to do right. whatever I can to be the waiter right, to the right. church. To be the one I'm going to make brought sure. It, you brought it around, pal. You brought right. it around. I'm bringing it. Yeah. And and so then if a pastor says, you know what? I've got a commitment to Jesus. He's the one that's called me. Yes. I'm going to do what I want Preach my, it. with my relationship with Christ. And if people don't like it, they're going to have to deal with it. Well, but, now hold on. Right. You as a pastor need to accept the fact that they might not. They, that's right. Jesus had to deal with that. Yeah. And, and look Jesus, how it, well that people were going to leave once he really, you know. They did throw him at, they, they did throw Jesus at nice potluck supper before it all went south. Yeah. Potluck. <laughs> I like the way he puts it in Jesus Christ Superstar. For all you care, this bread could be my body. In other words. Right. Oh, you can, you're just here to consume me. Right. Oh, you're yeah. You're just here to consume me. Yeah, and we're still consuming Jesus. Yes, we are. We're Jesus consumers. I say let Jesus be Jesus. Let And let the chips fall where they... Well, we also, that's been happening too. You're right. And that's what's so scary for pastors is to say, I'm going to now... I am going to be true to my call in the best way that I can be. And if people don't like it, they have to deal with it. And that's terrifying. But if other people in the church take that approach, we applaud it. Or we say, well, it's just them. We want to make sure they don't leave. We don't want to get them too upset. If the pastor does it, they're fired. Or people yes. leave. Or they that's stop the giving. Baptist, and that's a big problem with being Baptist. It's a huge problem with being Baptist. Right. Is, you know, especially for those of you that got kids to feed. Yeah, and I've got a bunch I of don't. I don't. I'm going to send some of mine to you. I share the wealth. <laughs> All right. So if you say, Finn, I'm going to say it this week. So two of my kids have got their bags packed. I got I got room. I'll put them up. All right, good. Which ones do you want? Do you want the responsible, polite ones, or do you want the surly and obnoxious ones? Well, being as how they take after you, I'll take the surly and obnoxious <laughs> ones. Because I, 
<laughs> You'd have a blast. <laughs> but they smell bad. All my children smell bad. Um, I got a cat! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that, that could be fine, yeah. You Maybe know? you all share toxoplasmosis together. I don't even know what that is, but it, all right. All right, well, look it up. It's a parasite that your cat's giving you that makes you aggressive and angry. Look it up. I was aggressive and angry before I got the cat. I know. That's New Jersey. That's just in the water. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, and when we're looking at the pastors itself, there's this fallacy. No, let me call it a heresy that. Ooh, ooh. That, 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 con- that, that many congregation members kind of embrace to say, like, that we hired the pastor to serve us. And that's right. not that. Yeah, right. And that's the heresy. No, the pastor is, is serving God. There's a false teaching. That yeah, is not correct. Right. The pastor is serving God, and right. the way the pastor is serving God is by being the pastor for that church. Right. But it does not mean the pastor will be there to make sure you get the appetizer you ordered with that's exactly the, it. with the yes. sauce on the side. That pastor right. may say, "No, you don't need the appetizer today." You had four appetizers yesterday. Today, you're just getting salad. Deal with it. Maybe It's good for you. Eat it. Eat it. Now, right. Let's then, quickly say, I wish to quickly say, that yeah. every pastor who is compassionate really likes it when everybody has a good feeling about the church. I mean, I am not oh, yeah. out to create hard feelings. Well, today, anyway. But at any rate, um, <laughs> someday. Ah, nice. Someday. Right. Um, but, but, you know, there, there are those times in life where I think that we have got to self-consciously stop being waiters and waitresses yeah. and treating churches like, they're, like they are religious restaurants. Now, it's hard because in America, because, you know, America got rid of the state church idea thanks to us, the Baptists. Yep, you're welcome. You're entirely welcome, America. Yep. Um, we have had to participate in capitalism as we have to sell ourselves. So it's natural for right. us to get this way, but we have to self-correct. Churches yeah. are not religious restaurants. We are not here to make everybody feel, you know, to give everybody what they want the way that they want it. We are here to give people what they need. But part of what they need is to learn to consider the health of the whole as important as, not more important. I'm not right. preaching, you know, any kind of self-degradation here. As right. important as your own wants. Because if everybody wanted and desired the healthy manifestation of the kingdom of God, as much as they want what they want, this whole planet would be different. If you wanted if you wanted that that badly, hmm. to the same degree that you go after your your material wants and all those things. If you went after the kingdom that badly, what would this planet be like, Jonathan? Oh, jeez. It'd be amazing. I mean, you know, if people went after the kingdom like they went after the next iPhone. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know? How they line up and they can't wait. For that new feature. That's what I'm talking about is, is is we don't go after the health of the whole with that kind of desire. Right. Well, we don't get the instant gratification that you get with an iPhone. But, but Jonathan, you've been part of camp. I've been part of camp. Yeah. We know what it's like when the kingdom manifests. We're kind of campy, you might say. Yes, yes, yes. But in the small ways that it does, yeah. when a group of people get together and you feel that spirit, you know what that's like. I've told people the kingdom of God is like crack. When you've experienced it once, when you had those experiences, when you really know you've hit it, I'm getting chills now just thinking of yeah. it. You gotta have it again. Yeah, I'll tell you a moment that I remember. Actually, we revisited a moment just last week. Finn and I were in Green Lake, Wisconsin, lovely Green Lake, right near Ripon, Wisconsin, birthplace of the Grand Old Party, and and Ripon cookies, Ripon good cookies. Oh yeah, Ripon good cookies, which I don't really know anything about. But no, I'm, no, it's a local brand. All right, well, go local. Um, yeah. which is why I won't vote Republican because it's not local. And so we were at Green Lake <laughs> at this national dialogue for Baptists and Muslims. And Finn and I were, we were being a little nostalgic and I reminded Finn of one of the songs he taught me. <laughs> You're going to call that the manifestation of the kingdom of God? It, me <laughs> teaching you I'm looking over my dead dog Rover? Oh, I wasn't going to name the song, but yeah, that's that. Uh, <laughs> All things die, Finn. All things die. And that song embraced it. Now, now we're kidding about this, but yeah. no, Jonathan, you know, you have I ha- you and I have had this lifelong friendship because we've done things at those camps. Yep. And, you know, we have experienced authentic Christian love and community together at those times. Yeah. You know? And there's something that is holy with them. Getting a group of people together 
with with no substances. It 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 is possible for people to get together without substances, right? And enjoy and and legitimately experience some kind of a high just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. It can it can be done, but part of the way it was done is that we were putting ourselves first in that gathering. We were exactly. both there to serve the to. We were camp counselors, so right. we were partially trying to keep kids from killing each other. Right, and we mostly succeeded. I also had to keep you from killing some kids, but that's a whole nother matter. See, that's we even succeeded more. <laughs> and I said, Finn, this needs to be about me. And you said, no, Jonathan, it's about you the greater good. You never said that. You never said that. You were never wired that way. And that's because of your parents. You came from good Christian parents. Oh, okay. I guess we'll go with that. Yeah, we're going to go with that. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Malone. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, th this idea of church being a place of consumerism, of selfishness. Of about of a lot of me kind of mentality, and I get that it's hard because our society, our culture, pushes consumerism and selfishness. Right. So, so you know, pastors, we do carry a lot of compassion, which makes it that much harder when someone's saying like, "It's got to be my way," and we say, "Look, it, I get that where you're from. That's how it is, but that's not how we operate here." We right. need to learn a different way. And most pastors are very patient and, and give a lot of room for someone to err. Right. right. And, and I think for the most part that's good, but you do need to know where you draw the line and say, all right, right. enough, There's enough. There is a boundary. Yeah. Yes. So good. So my rileage uh, is kind of connected with that. Yeah, it's done. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> folks – so yeah, for this episode, we're, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to do a what you into for this episode. Um, so I have a little more time than usual, although I might still do a what you into. You know what? I'm going to do a what you into. So they still have to listen. They, the poor listeners still have to get, hear the scripture I just I did with Adam Erickson and then a what you into that I might just do by myself. I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, what's your rileage? My I was rileage, rileage. My rileage is pledge campaigns. Ah, speaking about people-pleasing pastors waiting on people hand and foot. <laughs> uh, so um, our church, you know, as I was telling Finn earlier, our church has a, a July to June fiscal year. So now in, in May is our pledge campaign. I think you said uh, it was July to June. June, or June July, 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 June. I don't know. All I know is our annual meeting is coming up, and we need to get our pledges in so we can vote on our budget. Pledge campaign's time. It's pledge time. Other churches, they do a, um, a January to December fiscal year. Their pledge campaign tends to be around November, right? right. But everyone thinking about Christmas. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's. <laughs> I prefer to do it this time of year because it's when I'm not hitting up against other major holidays except Pentecost. Um, but there's uh, there's Flag Day. I. There's nothing liturgical about Flag Day. There's Mother's Day. Yeah, there is that. That also happens to be Ascension Sunday this year. A what? Ascension Sunday. Only one oh. of the most important liturgical days. No, of the I year. know what it is. I just didn't understand what it, you said. Oh, sorry. I will start to enunciate better. Ascension Sunday. I know what the Ascension is. I have read the Bible. <laughs> ascension. So I even know it comes 40 days after Easter. <laughs> wow, if people could see the eye roll, I think Finn is going to... Well, you think you're so liturgically smart, no one knows nothing. <laughs> you almost pulled an eye muscle roll in those eyes. <laughs> I know, but I think I did. Ow! Anyway, what, so what's taking you off? Because I'm getting a whole nother mileage here. You're All welcome. Right, All right, pledge campaigns. Here's the thing. Pastors are not development officers. We do not. We don't get training to be development officers. Amen. Uh, you know, when we do visits... Our main objective is not to get you to give more. No. Now, you know, and, and, and to put it on our plate to say this has to be a concern for you just adds that much more anxiety to the ministry we do because this is paying our salary. Right. In a very real way. In a very real way. You're going and asking them, would you please pay me? Yes. Because you're, you're the biggest item in the budget. Right. Right. And I see how much you tipped last year. Could you increase your tip? There you go. I'm going to, you know. And subconsciously you're saying, what more can I do for you to get you to give more? And it affects our preaching. Yes. So it, it, it affects the way we do pastoral care with other people. On mm -hmm. the other hand, 
there is something good about a pastor helping someone with their spiritual relationship with money. Yes. Money is a huge part uh, in our lives. And if we don't talk about it in the church, um, people will, you know, it, it's, it's, it's irresponsible to, to, to ignore it, money. It's disconnect. Yes. You can't be spiritual with your money. How are you going to be spiritual at all? Right. Yeah. So pastors should be involved in a pledge campaign. Yes. And, and, and there's where, here's where the rub is for me. I don't like doing them. But I also recognize I need to be involved. I need to be doing them. Well, and, if I might be so bold. Yeah. Be, uh, what's stopping you now? True. <laughs> no, Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, you know, I appreciate the position that you're in. And because other people don't like to bring up money, that's one thing that they put on our shoulders. Yep. But I, I really think it's more our job to talk about the spiritual benefit to giving than it is hitting up individual people for more money. Yeah. I think that our job is to talk about giving as a spiritual discipline and and how it see to me Jesus what Jesus did with economics is he worked from the side of what we need. And and I think people misunderstand this. People, you know, Jesus basically was talking about giving so that you you realize that you don't need what you think you need and how incredibly freeing that is. Right. It would you might say it's a Jesus supply economics. Yes, it is because you know you know he worked from the end. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but that's right. I'm glad right. that you just went right pot by that no, joke. It I wasn't know that very you good. thought that was funny, and it was. Oh, but thanks. you're right. But yeah. you're right. It is. It is a Jesus supply economics. I mean, and it's something that my father always taught me. He says that most people don't distinguish between their wants and their needs. Yeah. And he told me he says you are never going to ever have the time to use all the things the world tells you that you should have. Right. For example, my cable TV, to get the cheapest package I could get, mm -hmm. I have to have 450 plus channels, of wow. which I don't watch even 10 of them on a yeah. regular basis. Why do I need 450 plus channels? Why does 20 of them have to be shopping? Mm. So okay? you can buy more stuff. Right. So you can buy more stuff. And so it's like, you know, I mean, he was right. I don't have time to listen to all the music I want to listen to. Do Facebook, watch all the TV programs so that I can be up on the latest and all that kind of – you don't have time. Yeah. Oh, I like you know? where you're going. You know, you just don't have time. But I think that the gospel frees us from that compulsive need to have and to mm. accumulate. Now, I mean a lot of times we do this because there's this fear that I won't be hip. I won't know what everybody else knows. Right. I realized how freeing it can be to say – no, I've never watched an episode of Sex and the City. I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's an old show. I don't even know what's current now that everybody, you know, you keeping up with the playoffs? No, I'm not. There are people playing off what? Uh, basketball and hockey. Oh, those are sports. Yes. Okay, good. Then now yes. I'm current. Yes. Well, sort of. Do you uh, know who's playing? Playing what? Those sports. Which ones? Basketball and hockey. Oh, people play those sports. Now, let me ask you something in all honesty. <laughs> now, you're being funny. Yeah. But I, you really feel that your life is at a disadvantage because you don't follow basketball and hockey. Well, I know that the Oregon Trailblazers tanked and choked and, uh, against the Pelicans. Yeah, 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 that, they did. That's all. But that's, what I'm saying but, is, but, oh, you know, no, you feel. My, I'll tell you this. So I live in Rhode Island, um, which is yeah. almost Boston, which means they're kind of rabid about the Red Sox and the Patriots. And a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, I made a deliberate choice to stop following sports. Okay. Because it was taking up too much time. You did a fast. Right. And I wasn't that engaged in sports anyways. But I was like, right. I don't know if I've got reading I'd like to do. I've got other things I'd like to do. And then I started reading articles about how horrible the NFL is as an institution. Right. And right. I felt like I really shouldn't be watching right. these, the NFL. Because the NFL is horrible. Yes. Ontologically. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the NCAA is also horrible. Ontologically. Ontologically. They do not treat the students well at all. No. No. Anyway, so you're right. I, we, get, yeah. we, we get too much stuff and we lose a spirituality. We lose a sense of our, who we are and our relationship with God. And if, if I can encourage generosity, that's mm -hmm. the word that I'm stuck with this year. Uh, but it's a good word. Yeah, it, it is a good word. Yeah, more than like it is, 
Yeah, more than saying like, well, I think I can afford just this amount, and say, well, well, what about if you had to be generous? What then could you offer? Generous to God, right? You know, now I never want to ask someone to give so much that they're destitute, right? You know, and and I'm very clear about that. Like most of us pastors live. Yeah, yeah. If we're middle class, we're doing well, uh, but that's another. That's a different right. I just wanted to say that because pastors will take the hit before they expect their congregation to sacrificially give. Yeah. yeah. You just said it. You just said it. Yeah, that's our that's that's our MO. That's where right. that's where you tend to go to. So I'm you know, I my rileage is ambivalent because I don't like doing pledge campaigns. I feel like it's a distraction from the other work I want to do. You know, there's a young adult that I really need to connect with, but you know, I've got to do visits with pledge campaigns or someone in the hospital I haven't seen in a bit, but I got to write that that letter. On the other hand, to be able to engage people directly about their relationship with money and resources uh, and to ask about their spirituality with that, that's an important part of what I do. That's an important part about being a pastor um, to challenge and push people. So it's an ambivalent stance with the pledge campaign. And I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good answer for it. I, I get the necessity of it. And I also like to get paid. I like to be able to eat. I like to have yeah. a real house over roof over my head. I like to be able to afford the technology to do these podcasts for people. And people, this podcast is free. But it's You're, not cheap. I, I mean, it's time more than anything. But still. You and I don't want to come off as cheap. Yeah. I put a lot. We're of, not cheap. We're not cheap. We are an expensive date. <laughs> anyway. Well, I don't think that's what I meant, but. <laughs> we're, we're classy. We're classy. <laughs> Finn and I are both wearing tuxedos. I don't tux think that's what I meant either. We're but... both wearing tuxedos right now. Yeah, 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 right. I'm wearing my John Lennon Instant Karma t-shirt here. Oh, well, I, I have a concert tonight, so I will be wearing a tuxedo of sorts. But What do you mean of sorts? A tuxedo t-shirt? One of those? No, it's it, I wear a black suit with a bow tie. It's not you know, an official. It doesn't have oh. the fancy lapel and this racing stripe down the side. Oh. It, you know, in an orchestra, who cares? Just wear the bow tie. And, and yeah. clothes. Wear pants, too. Please wear pants. People, <laughs> if you take nothing else from this podcast, please, please, for the love of God, wear pants. Please wear Just pants. because men refer to what they're wearing as what they're wearing on their upper body does not mean we are not wearing pants. So what are you going to wear? You're going to wear a shirt and tie? Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt and tie. No pants! I, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think sometimes... Because we don't mention the pants does not mean we're going pantsless. But but sometimes it bears... It's worth mentioning. Please wear it, pants. Or shorts. Shorts or pants. You're going to show up for playing the bassoon in shorts. I know that would boy that'd be tacky, huh? You think they'd ask me back? No. <laughs> well, they might because how many people play the bassoon, really? There's 15 of us, thank you. Nation, oh. Nationwide. Oh, that was not in any way a disparagement. I admire the fact that you play the bassoon. No, there's not that many. I, I mean, brag about that. I know a guy who plays the bassoon. Hey, yeah, that's right. Still, I still yeah. play the bassoon. Yeah. There's a lot of people that used to play bassoon, and then they couldn't hack it. That's what it came down to. It's a hard instrument. It is. That's what I tell people when I screw up all the time. <laughs> I say, hey, it's a hard instrument, okay? Come we could say slack. that as pastors, too. It's a hard job, so... Yeah. so come me some slack. You know, you want me preaching up here every Sunday? I love it when someone... All right. Anyway, I, gotta, I, won't, I love it on a Monday morning when I'm working on the sermon for next Sunday, and they say, how'd it go yesterday? And, I, and my response usually is, and it's all sincerity, like, I, I don't even remember now. I'm thinking about next week. Right, exactly. Yeah, yesterday's done. It's out. It's gone. How was the sermon? I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me about your last week's sermon. I'm, I'm focused on next week. That's all I can do now. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I only I have so much space. <laughs> I don't watch basketball. I'm thinking about the sermon. <laughs> yeah. You see what I sacrificed? I'm a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, folks, how am I going to summarize this rileage? I don't know. Do we um, have to summarize it? Can't we just let it be? Uh, I, folks, be nice to your pastor. <laughs> or else they're going to end up like us. <laughs>
Finn, it's always good to have you on. <laughs> you. I love being on. What I time? Being on. Oh, what time's your worship service? Ten o'clock. Ten fifteen. Ten fifteen. I have no idea why, but it's a ten fifteen. When do the announcements start? Announcements of what? To the church. Do you have a church announcements the time or anything like that? Uh, ten twenty. Oh, okay. So show up. So if you go to want to go to the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin, show up at ten thirty. You you'll get the good stuff. <laughs> I should start preaching by then. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Right. 10, 10 15, First Baptist you Church. Wanna, oh, right. You want to skip the announcements and uh, and uh, the opening hymn. And... Yeah, all the blah, blah, blah stuff. We want to get right to the meat of it. All no, right. that stuff's important. It's important. It's important. And it's fun in my church because oh, yeah? the way I sound on Rylage is the way I do announcements. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. it's it's Look, I've been here 26 years. A long time ago, I was, this is the way I am, and just deal with it. Despite everything I've said, I'm completely blowing my rileage now. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll cut this part out. But they did deal with it, and, you know, it's actually, you know, been a good thing. Um, if anything, we've had to kind of reel it back, because I don't know if I said it on Take 86 or if I said it now. Uh, familiarity does be contempt. Oh, right, right. So you got and you have to up. be careful of that. You know, when you get so comfortable around each other, sometimes you do tend to start getting sloppy. It's just something that happens. Yeah. You have to, you know, be very, very self-aware. You know, there yeah. is a there's a balance there between being overly reverent and too casual. Yes, there is. Even for me. Even for me. Even, even for Finn. Not once has Finn sung a song about looking over his dead dog Rover in the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Not Yet. Once. Yet. Yet. But. Next Sunday, that may be the Sunday. Finn, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Thank you very much. Great to be here. I, I, th I think I'm ready. Okay. Adam Erickson is the senior pastor, the big cheese, the head honcho, the man with the power at Clackamas United Church of Christ. He had so much power that when he got there, he said, I cannot serve a church in Clackamas. We need to be in Milwaukee. That's right, because we're called Clackamas United Church of Christ, right. but we're actually in Milwaukee. But Milwaukee, which, Oregon, right? Yes, and it's spelled uh, I-E at the end, not E-E, -E, because we can't be like those people in Wisconsin. No, because if there's anyone you hate more than the, the Oregon Ducks, it's the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, oh, I hate the Wisconsin Badgers. Those jerks. <laughs> I was glad that I even knew the mascot. That was nicely done, yes, Wisconsin <laughs> Badgers. The, and I remembered that you are a Beaver fan. That's, I am that's, a Beaver fan. That's Oregon State. Oregon State. I'm also a Portland Trailblazers fan, and uh, it's just tough. It's That's, tough right um, now. Now they play hockey? Basketball. Oh, basketball. Yeah, we, we made it to the playoffs. We're number one in our division, and currently we are in an 0-3 hole against the New Orleans Pelicans. What the heck is a Pelican? I don't – I mean, I know what a Trailblazer is. A Pelican's is, a bird. It's got a big thing. Apparently it's a really nasty bird because yeah. they are kicking our butts, and uh, it's not fun. Well, so. what's your mascot again? Your Trailblazers? Trailblazers. Yeah, yeah, you know, the Oregon Trail and stuff. It's it's tough. It's oh, tough on the Oregon and currently, Trail. Every time I played that game, I died of dysentery. Well, I was going to say, currently, the Portland Trailblazers are dying of dysentery. So that's fun. It's Maybe good times. that's why they're not playing well. And it's painful to watch. Do they so, need antibiotics? Uh, they need something. <laughs> they need something because it is not good. It's not good. The, well, you know what you do. Here's what you do. I have no idea. Get, you you write to them and you say you are well prepared and able to offer faith healing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what they will need after this is some faith healing. All right. They, well, Adam Erickson. Just, <laughs> Adam, it's good to have you on the show again. It's good to be on the show again. It's been a while, a couple months. It has been. It's, it's so, been too long. You had this amazing hiking trip. I, which, yeah. And I, I feel which, like uh, I've talked about it too much on the show, so I didn't want to get into it. Anymore. Well, I don't. I don't want to talk with you about it. I'm just. Good. I'm just saying that it's been a while since. Yeah, since the, I was in the mountains, and um, yeah, and there were just so many. Uh, I don't birds. want to talk about it, right. Jonathan. You've already talked about it enough on your show. We're not going to talk. about it I was just going to say the reason I shaved my head was because there were so many birds of prey just tangled in the mess <laughs> of my hair. 
It was the only way, and and it was the most merciful thing I could do to them. Well, your your shaved head looks good. Thanks. It's a good look for you. Thanks. Yeah. I I um I sleep in a a mold that keeps oh. my head shaped just the right way. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Nicely it, done. Yeah, I'm gonna market it soon. Keep an eye. Good. So this is scripture for. You know, God willing, I get this out. God willing, because if I get this out in time, it's all because of God's work and God's glory. Not because of anything I do, but God. Um, it's all God. It's yeah. All God. I love it. Yes. And if, so if I get this out in time, this will be for April 29th. Uh, and that gives you nine days. I know. I don't think God can work only like that. Yeah, well. God's not that fast. God's not that fast. God's like, God cannot get this done. If this was pre, if this was analog, God can make it work. But once, once once we start doing ones and zeros, God's like, come Uh on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we're still in the Easter tide. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. The Lord is risen. Seven weeks of Easter. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Easter with you all through the year. That's what I say. There should be a song about that there should be we should be celebrating all the holidays all throughout the year yeah yeah i like that i actually yeah. have a i have some parishioners who still have their christmas tree up oh yeah wow yeah that's and i think it's on crazy. purpose that's, yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> you know, pretty soon you'll be like don't bother now <laughs> your house is gonna get on fire well no it's artificial up. it's an artificial tree oh we do that here on the east coast that's even worse. That's even... <laughs> an artificial tree. Do they put like the uh, those smelling tree things, air fresheners in there to make it smell like a tree, a real tree? No. They should do. I'm they gonna should start, do that. I'm going to start doing that to real trees. I'm going to start walking around the forest and hanging air fresheners on real trees. Brilliant. Say, they don't helping you out. Yeah, just, just a little help is always good. Always so we're good. looking at Acts. Um, So we're not going to look at all the passages from the lectionary. We're not that crazy. We're just going to look at um, the passage from the book of Acts, right? So I'm going to find out if Adam and I are on the same page here. I've got Acts and Ephesians. Okay, but just for this, just for the 29th. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, hold on to the Ephesians. We're not recording that one. That's not for another couple weeks. Okay, I'm still getting the new format in my head. So yes, I've got Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. 26 to 40, yep. All right, good. Oh, we're on the same page. Awesome. Fantastic. I love this passage. It's a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. All right. Do you want to let's read it. Now, would you want to read the voice of uh Philip or the or the eunuch? Why don't you here's what we're going to do. Do you have the NRSV in front of you? I have the only God-ordained Bible okay. version ever, the message. I'm going to put the what? <laughs> <laughs> you totally got me. <laughs> I've been waiting all morning to pull that one on you. I'm glad it worked. Wow. No, I do have the NRSV. Okay, good. Phew. Yeah, you totally threw me. What are, here's <laughs> what we're going to do. I'm going to play the part of um, omniscient narrator. Awesome. And good if role. you could read the part of Philip and the Ethiopian, and you will be judged for inflection, dialect, and the uh, voices. My voice be a little higher for the Ethiopian? Uh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to follow you down there. <laughs> I'm not taking that bait. All right, let's do it. Okay, so this is Acts 8, uh, 26 to 40. Uh, Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, I'll read the angel part. Oh, okay. All right. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go. Angels sound a lot weaker than we thought. Okay. Just, okay. yeah, it's not, they don't have majestic voices. We thought they did, but they didn't. Okay. The angel Ethiopian too? Is what? The angel. Wow, you are really going to keep trying. Okay, here we go. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We all pronounce it Gaza. (laughs) This is the wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of of the Candace Queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Isn't it crazy how the spirit and Philip sound exactly the same? Um, He, the Ethiopian eunuch, replied, 
how can I unless someone guides me? <laughs> also the same. Um, and he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom may I ask you? Does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to pre prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at... As Otis, as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And thus endeth the reading. That was excellent. And those, I, I, I love the different voices that you use for each character. I, I take pride in my thespianism. Your thespianism. Well, I'm glad that you're out about that. Good. Uh, <laughs> what are some of, so what are some of the big themes that, that comes out for you for this passage? For me, what comes out of this passage is you have this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, I, you know, I, I want to be very, I want to be careful. Like a lot of the uh, um, interpretations that I read mm -hmm. go to a place where, oh, the eunuch is uh, religiously un out an outsider. And I think right. that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there are laws in the old testament where if you've got your um if you've been castrated yes that's it thank you yep. uh uh you're not allowed in certain areas of the temple or you're not allowed in the temple uh and so this is like a religious outsider i also want to be careful in not being like oh the old testament laws bad uh, right new testament new testament grace right, you know? right like there's too much of that going on uh so I, I want to be careful of that and navigate that in a way that is uh, healthy hmm. and good. Uh, one of the ways to navigate that, I think, is to point out this whole thing from Isaiah. Right. Yeah. So this is this this gets to the whole question about um, the eunuch mm -hmm. reading this text and not understanding what it is saying. And so he needs an interpreter. Right. This is what I. This is one of the things that I love about this passage. So uh, we tend to think there's there's a certain segment in American Christianity that thinks, oh, the the Bible says what the Bible says. Right. And all you have to do is read it, and you'll get all it. All you have to do is read it, and you'll get that's, it. That's that's good common sense philosophy. Right. But here you need somebody to interpret it. Yeah. The, the text has an interpretation and you need somebody to interpret it. And uh, that, I think, is part of the grace that you see here. And it's also what is going on in, within all of Jewish history when it comes to sacred scripture. Is right. this like back and forth of arguing and interpreting what does the text actually mean? Mm. And I think that's what's going on here. So it's not a it's not a, you know, uh Jewish law, bad, Christian right, right. race, good. This is what Jews have been doing throughout Jewish history, right. is so having I, this kind of argument. So, And I like that you're giving us um, job security here. Yes. By good. saying that, you, you know, people, you can't go read this by yourself. You need no. someone to help you with it. And who better than an ordained me. pastor? Right? No, just me. Oh, just, then Adam. Just me. Then Adam. Yes. yes. Um, so <laughs> but no, I think that, yeah, that that real part of, of Jewish history of, of that back and forth, which is the Midrash is really a, a great part of that. Mm -hmm. I, and I think that even to bolster that claim, nowhere in this passage is mentioned the prohibition against eunuchs. Right. Right. Instead, it's really a very positive view of Hebrew scripture, really looking at the reading of the prophet. And, and, and I wonder, I found it interesting that it goes I, there He's reading from Isaiah 53. Mm -hmm. um, but Isaiah 56 is, talks about the eunuch 
and says, I'm going to bring back the eunuchs into my fold. Uh, and, and the outsiders, and like they'll all be brought back into Israel. So by, by evoking Isaiah, he's evoking this part of this idea of inclusivity of the outsiders, which is beautiful. It is. It's awesome. And it gets, it's just, I, I wish that we could expand our view of Judaism, right? Mm. Uh, like this is what, this is what the Hebrew Bible is doing. Right. Uh, it's trying to, it's, you know, it starts with uh, Abraham, where Abraham's call is to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. So I thought it starts no. with Adam. It's, no, Adam, screw that guy. <laughs> that guy ruined it for all of us. If you're going to read Thank the Bible, start much. with Abraham. Everything start else before Abraham. Abraham is just not interesting. The first 10 chapters, 11 chapters, eh. I'm but. actually I'm reading this book that says that the story <laughs> actually begins with Exodus. So you should start with the Exodus and uh, Genesis kind of, is actually what, a what kind of blasphemy are you reading? <laughs> anyway, the whole Hebrew Bible awesome. is just one of like outsiders and inclusivity and being there with a little guy. And you have exclusion within this too. Yes. Like that's it's, and it but it's not because you know, oh, those Jews there or the old, the Old Testament, such an awful book. It's full of exclusion. Right. It's human. Like this is what humans have been doing throughout right. our history is finding ways to exclude others. Uh, but within the Jewish text, you also mm. get God is working in a different way, transforming the way that we exclude one another in this Isaiah passage that you brilliantly bring up. God is including those that we used to exclude. And that's what's happening here to the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. That's so one of the things I, I really pull out of this when I think of the bigger picture, um, that it really shows that God does can with God all things are possible, if I can quote the state motto of Ohio. Mm, nice, nice. <laughs> Their like state that. motto is with God all things are possible. Wow. Yeah. Roger Williams is not happy about that, but uh, <laughs> he's dead. So what's he gonna do? Uh, but. I think there is this idea of, um, you know, is it possible for God's grace to be experienced, to be embraced by outsiders? Well, an Ethiopian, maybe. Well, someone who is not of the Jewish tradition, well, maybe. Well, even a eunuch, yes. yes. I mean, yeah, we've, these walls being broken down again and again. And, and I know um, this passage is really um, being used a lot in, in uh, circles of folks who are trying to wrestle with transgendered theology. You know, and, and trying to say, like, how do we understand, how do we develop a, a theology of our um, transgendered brothers or sisters or, or just a gender fluidity? Uh, and this is a passage that's often turned to. And, 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 I, and from what I understand, it's turned to with reluctance oh. because it doesn't quite speak to the same struggles that our brothers and sisters, our transgender brothers oh. and sisters are struggling with here and now. Um, what I do think it does, it, but where I would turn to it, so I wouldn't use it by saying, so just because God loves a eunuch, God must love transgender people. Is that, so you see what, that, that comparison is problematic. But what it does offer is to say, if God, if we see in this moment, God breaking all of these walls that we've created, you know, mm -hmm. then why not the walls that we're creating today? Yeah. You, know, you know, who are the who are the people that we are saying you're outsiders, you can't be a part of God's grace today, and to say, no, there is a way that, that we can break through. You're included. You're included. Not because Just, we say so, but because God no. God makes it happen. And that's the really great thing about this question. As they're walking to the water, mm. the eunuch said, Look here is water. What is to pre prevent me from being baptized? Now, as a congregationalist, how do you respond to that? Because you guys don't do real baptisms. We do fake baptisms. Yeah, that's what I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we also do some real baptisms. We'll oh, do okay. adult baptisms if, if an adult wants to be baptized. It's all good. You dunk them? Dunk them. What is to prevent a baby from being baptized? Their ability to say no. Well, they're included anyway. What if they don't want it's to be included? Up, it's not up to your no or what your if, yes. What if You're they just don't it. want it? God's grace reaches beyond your no. Whether you want it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what I hear you saying. <laughs> uh, yes. Whether you want it or not, that's it. Yes. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that's awesome. Like, what is to prevent you from being, we have all of these rules of exclusion, mm -hmm. and this unit comes in and says, now I see that there's nothing. And what does Philip do? He goes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and that question, what is to prevent me from being baptized, is such a, a live question today mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, that, that we need to constantly struggle with. Um, it, it, you, are, are there any are there any boundaries? So is there any prevention? I mean, from my context, if 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 someone comes up to me and says, I want to be baptized, my response is, let's talk. Yeah. Not, okay, let's go do this. But more yeah. like, I want to be sure where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if someone says, I want to be baptized because I just love your potluck dinners and I think that's what Jesus is all about, then I'll say, I don't think you're ready. Yeah, so they've had some kind of conversation before this, what is to prevent me from being baptized. They've talked about right. Isaiah, who knows what else they Which talked we about. We see that formula here with Philip. <laughs> And the eunuch, they have the conversation. Philip talks to him. Philip gets a sense that this Ethiopian gets it and is mm -hmm. ready to make that next step. And, and we should always, and of course, and not discredit the whole power of the Holy Spirit in all of this. Yeah. I would love it if I all of a sudden just appeared where I needed to be. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Didn't have to walk. You yeah. just disappear. Right. And then you appear somewhere else. And the eunuch is just like, yeah, of course. Of course you just showed up while I'm trying to figure out this passage. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, like, Philip just disappears. Yeah. And shows up, and the eunuch is there. It's, yep, that's the way it goes. I think Philip is a mutant uh, akin to Nightcrawler. <laughs> it's fantastic. He can I transport. Now, uh, the other thing about the eunuch that we know is that he was on his way to the temple. From the temple to – well, yeah. So there's a sense of piety. Yeah. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's right. And, yes. was, and was returning home, seated in his chariot. So he's, he's uh, what is a Jewish Gentile called? He's a – A goy? What are, uh, yes. Yes. He's one of those. <laughs> I don't think that's the term for it. I don't think so either. I think goy is just non-Jew. <laughs> yes, a non-Jew. I don't know what a Jewish Gentile I, is. I don't I, know. There's there's a term for it. It might come to me later. But, but anyway. he's someone he's practicing. He has devotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet he's still forbidden to a degree. For Yeah, to some degree. Um, but he's not going to let that forbiddenness uh, exclude him. So and he goes it, to worship. Isn't it interesting that here's someone who's in the... He has like one foot in the community, has a sense of devotion, goes to the temple to pray, and still looks at the scriptures and says, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's often within our own religious context, I think, those who are more devoted are the ones who are quicker to be reading scripture and say, I don't get it. I need some help here. And, and those who keep themselves out, who don't invest their time and energy, who will look at it and say, like, well, that's just clearly not for me, or I, I don't want to get it. Yeah, there's this person's social location, the eunuch's social location is really interesting. Mm. He's uh, in charge of the treasury of some queen, the official of who is the Candace? Like I don't the know. Definite article. I don't know what that I, I was thinking. Candace was like a name, but uh, the definite article throws me off. Well, um, it's, when she became queen, she, she adopted that name and just a symbol to describe oh, her. There you go. Yeah. OK, she's like the Candace. It. Okay, She's the Candace, which yeah. is the queen. She had three albums. None of them really went far. That's uh, too bad. No, but she's still queen. It's all yeah, good. she's still queen. I mean, she was just she bought her recording contract. Everyone knows right. it. Yep, there you go. Anyway, like but it. you were going to say. <laughs> so, well, he's in this kind of, he's got some money, you think? He's got some. He's got some prestige. He's got some prestige. Yeah. Uh, working with the queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, so he's he's in a pretty good place, but he still has this, like, sense of humility. He has this, yeah. he has this social power, mm -hmm. uh, but he also has humility when it comes to the things of God. Yeah. I don't know everything. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. If only we could have just like a handful of them in every church. I know, right? But we probably do. So what is it? What is it about this passage from Isaiah that um, that 
what's what's Philip saying? Like, how does what is the answer that Philip gives? Well, he looks. I mean, Philip makes that connection. So we have. I mean, this passage from Isaiah, the one that the the eunuch is reading, Isaiah fifty three, is one of the um, suffering servant songs um, or poems, and. And it's a very Christian thing to look at those suffering servant poems, and I think there's four of them, and to say this is, this is about Jesus. Uh huh. And that's when, and, yeah, and that is what Philip is doing. This is fascinating to me because when I was in college, I mm-hmm. distinctly remember having this conversation in my Old Testament class, and people saying, uh, more evangelical students saying, uh, "Oh yeah." The Old Testament uh, uh, or the prophet Isaiah is clearly talking about Jesus. And our professor would say, no, he's not. He's talking either about himself or about Israel. Like that's how you do. That's how we're taught to do exegesis when it comes to Isaiah in seminary. And but here Philip is doing really poor exegesis, according to my seminary and college professors. Well, so and that's. And this might be, I, I think there's always, as Christians, I think there is one level of, of hermeneutics that makes it appropriate for us to say, when we read these passages from Isaiah, we hear, we see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And another level of hermeneutics that says, that makes it appropriate to say, Isaiah may not have been speaking about Jesus. But there certainly is a messianic component to what Isaiah is talking about, and that might be the bridge that we can yeah. find. Now, he also may have been talking about Cyrus of, right. uh, of Prussia? Per- Persia. Persia. Persia, yeah. Persia. Pr- that would have been yeah. funny if he was of Prussia. Prussia, that's good. He's yeah. very, very Hungarian. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he loved, you that's know, awesome. he loved waltzes. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's staying in for sure. Uh, no, uh, so yeah, so there's like the historical time, but I think there's. I I think it's appropriate for us to say this. Isaiah transcends the context of which it was written. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what makes scripture holy? Mm-hmm. If it only mm-hmm. speaks to that time and place and nothing else, then we've lost the mystery and the sacramentality of the scripture of the word. And the word right. is no longer alive. Yes, it also helps me in understanding. The passages where Jesus says, you search the scriptures and you miss the point because it, the scriptures point to me. That's, that's the direct quote right there. I didn't botch it at all. Wow. That's fantastic. You know, I would, (laughs) being a a, a progressive leaning Christian, I would have no idea if you botched it or not. (laughs) If we're going to memorize anything, Uh I'm going to memorize William James. And it's Freud why I love the first. message so much. Like you just paraphrase it and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's good. I don't think Peterson even tried. No. I think he's like, <laughs> it's close enough. That's not true at all. All right. So, folks, for uh, April 29th, we've given you a bunch of stuff to think about. I'm not going to tell you what to preach on it. Are you going to preach on this, Adam? Yeah, and I'll tell you what to preach on. Okay. Preach on the connection with Elijah because you've got the chariots oh, there. Right. And yeah, you also God. have the like going up into space and disappearing thing. Such a great divine magic trick. It's How awesome. is this not about space aliens? I don't know. You should preach on divine magic tricks. That's what you should do. Divine magic tricks. Yeah. All right. Uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, you're welcome. That was fun. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Rileage, scripture. Now you may be saying, Jonathan, 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 where's my what you into? I want to know what you're into. I want to be into what you're into. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I, this episode has gone long enough. It's over a little over an hour now, and I am aware of your time, and your time is precious, and I just haven't had an opportunity to connect with someone. I just finished recording the deep conversation with Christian, Kristen Lyon, and you're going to love that. So I may just jump right to that for the next episode, or I still may record what you're into. I'm really itching to talk about Black Angels by George Crumb. We'll see. A lot of it will depend on time. I will promise you this. You will get another brilliant 12 and up episode. I want to thank, again, Phineas Marr and Adam Erickson for being on this on this episode and all the wisdom that they brought 
And I want to remind you that if you want to send a comment about this show or any other shows, you can send those to 12enough at gmail.com. And 12 is written out. Go to the Facebook page, Facebook slash 12enough, or and uh, go to our website, 12enough, a website. Go to the website, 12enough.com, where you can find the show notes for the shows and past shows and all other sorts of things. And as always, uh, oh, I was going to say thanks for listening, but I'm not ready to say that yet because I need to say go and like and rate the show. Put a little comment about the show. Say something witty or just say something straightforward and serious or just say something. Uh, anything that you do or say really does help out with getting the show out to other people. Now I can say it. Thanks for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Phineas Marr is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Adam Erickson is the pastor of the Clackamas United Church of Christ, uh, which is in Milwaukee, Oregon. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of brilliance, moments otherwise, and the uh, great music provided by Andrew Malone. Find him at andrewmalone.com. They do not represent their the host's family or friends or denominations or uh, other institutions of higher learning or lower learning or learning whatsoever or anything else of that nature. These are their own ideas. This is their podcast.